0: Music mm-hmm.
1: a special time when we look through the Word of God and uh, glean comfort and hope for these times. And you would never imagine that in the context of education we would talk about worship, but that's what it is today. And we give God all the glory for another week. It's been a very challenging week for many And for others, it's been a time of joy. So whatever you're going through, whether you are in good time or in bad time, the God in the good time is still the God in the bad time. And uh, we owe him worship because he made us. So today we plunge into the lesson. Gabriel is still not here, but I hope and believe that he will be back uh, for the next episode I'm John, and I invite you to join me for a word of prayer. Dear Father, please, bless our interaction this evening, and bless our understanding of your word. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. will become a home for God and this week we are talking about worship in education and the key test is found in first chronicles 16 verse 29 give to the Lord the glory due his name bring an offering and come before him all worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Trying to unpack this test, you'll find some fascinating ideas. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. It means that God deserves glory. If we are to glorify anyone, it has to be God. It has to be God and God alone. So give to the Lord the glory due His name and bring an offering and come before Him. So in worship, you present an offering to the being being worshipped. The, the being that is worshipped receives offering. Even those who worship other beings other than God they also appease they also present you know you you give gift to a superior person so god deserves our gift our worship he deserves everything even our offering he deserves them and we should not worship from a distance we should come before him so it's an idea of a living presence it's an idea of communion between the being who is worshipped and the people who worship. And now the test concludes by saying, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, there's a connection between worship and holiness. It is not just worshipping for the fun of it. It is a real out of worship because the, the time you talk about holiness, it's, it gives you an idea of how to live, how to conduct ourselves before the person we worship. And the Bible says that God is a consuming fire and those who would approach him must approach him in holiness. So that's the emphasis for our discussion today. It is about worshiping God and it's about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So God deserves our worship, our worship. He doesn't just deserve our worship, he demands our worship. He has a right to demand our worship. And in proper Christian education, worship must be emphasized. It is not just the accumulation of knowledge and the uh, the stimulating of the intellect. It's not just that. It's part of it. But in the center of our education as christians we must emphasize worship and now i would have to say that this worship is not the worship of um, some great minds or some great books or some great ideas in the world or some great inventions this worship is the worship of the true god so it's not just about intellectualism it's not just about the head It is also about the heart. So education, in its true sense, is not just about the head. It's also about the heart. And I think it's about the heart we're talking about today. So the lesson gives us this idea that we were created for worship. We were created for worship. God could have existed without us. You know, God can be God without us. But we can't be what we are without God. So we are wholly dependent on God, even in a sinless world. So we are created for worship. We are created for communion with God because God deserves and demands our worship. But he wants us to worship him in love. And that's the beauty of Christianity, that though God deserves and demands he still expects us to do it out of love as uh, free moral beings who can choose to serve him. And um, in the world today, everyone worships. So whether you worship God or not, you are actually worshiping someone or something. But as we talk about education in its Christian form, there has to be this emphasis on whom to worship, how to worship. Very important, because we all worship something. So do we know what we worship? Or do we worship the right person? So the Bible gives us the clear picture of the one we should worship. He is our God, the creator, the one who made us. So that's the one we should worship. And when you read the Ten Commandments, just there at the beginning of of the Decalogue, you find the injunction to worship the true God. You know, thou shalt not make any graven image. Thou shalt not worship any idol. Thou shalt worship no other God. This is the beginning of God's instruction to man. So, worship is at the heart of our existence. Worship is at the heart of our Christian experience. It is worship. So, those who have issues with worship, those who think that devotion to God is not important as long as you contribute your money, should rethink because God does not just want what we can offer. By the way, what do we have that has not been given to us? Uh, Those who think they can (laughs) appease God by what they can give Him. What do you have that has not been given to you? We are in a love relationship with God. Just as you are in a love relationship with your spouse, your, your spouse doesn't just need the things you provide for him or for her. Your spouse cherishes the time you spend together, that close intimacy is much more important to many than all the money and good clothes and cars and houses you can ever think of. So that's what happens between man and God. God wants us to worship him. And you can also discover that since the creation of man, there has always been this deviation from the right way of worship. So early enough, man began to worship other things men began to worship the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, idols, wood, stone, and other things in nature. Men began to worship the created things instead of the creator himself. And then we understand that the great controversy between God and Satan also brings another dimension to worship. Now there is someone who is claiming worship or who demands worship as God demands. And that's Satan, that's the one, that's the adversary, that's Lucifer, that's the, the, the mighty angel who broke away from the from the peace and harmony of heaven. And he, he has actually found worshipers. He was able to, to endear some worshipers to himself. The Bible says in Revelation 12 that he got some worshippers for himself. One third of the angelic host worshipped him. And then he got into the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve became his worshippers also. And since then, the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve have all in one way or the other, paid homage to this adversary of God. But in these final days of Earth history, there is a call. A call for us to return to the God our creator, the one who made us, the one who deserves and demands our worship, the rightful owner of all our worship, praise, and adoration. So there is always this controversy, and we can find that in Daniel chapter 3, the Hebrew word is. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego—they were—they were being compelled by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, to worship the image, but they stood their ground because they knew that right there in the heart of the Ten Commandment is that injunction to worship the God who made the heavens and the earth and everything. So it's obvious that as long as life. Life continues. There would always be this tension between worshipping God and worshipping Satan. And there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. You are either worshipping God or Satan. So there is no middle ground. And we have our decision to make. And right there in the the last book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, you find in chapter 14 where a call is made. And we understand that this is the final call that God is making in these last days. And there in that call, you find the call to worship. And worship is going to be integral in the final crisis before the coming of Jesus. It's going to be about worshiping God and worshiping Satan and worshiping man. So we are going to make a choice. And all of us... Ah choosing today in one way or the other, no wonder in the Old Testament, God instructed the Israelites to teach their children to to make them imbibe these things, you know, make them understand they were to recite, they were to sing it's It's all about making that impression strong that it is only God that demands and deserves our worship. So everything you find in the Old Testament, all the uh, temple services, all the rites and festivals and feasts, they all pointed to the fact that God deserves our worship and is the rightful owner of our adoration and praise. Then Jesus, in John 4, when he was interfacing with a woman, you know, Jesus was trying to draw her close to himself. But the woman began to talk about worship. And then Jesus also went deep down into (laughs) this idea of worship because she was talking about worship as in a place. But Jesus said, no, worship is more of the, the attitude. You know, Jesus said that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So it's it's more than gathering in a building. It's more than following some rites and rituals and ceremonies of the church. It is more than that. It is about having a heart of worship. It's about having a heart that is in tune with God. It's about having that holy, living connection with heaven. That's what it's all about. And that's worship. And If the church understands that worship is much more than having committees and uh, having church board meetings and uh, going on conventions, don't misunderstand me. These things are okay. But if we understand that worship is more than even holding church offices, or being a president in a conference or union, if we understand that worship is more than having ecclesiastical titles, the pope, the bishop, the prelate, the elder, the pastor, if we understand these things, then we begin to appreciate the spiritual nature of worship. That all our rituals, all our ceremonies, all our rites will will come to nothing if we don't have a living, holy connection with God. And that's what we can do by ourselves and for ourselves individually. That's not what the pastor can do for you. That's what the Holy Spirit does in you. So worship is a personal thing. Worship is not just about making noise, singing, shouting. Worship is also about knowing the truth. Jesus told a woman that anyone who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You need to have the knowledge of God. It's about doctrine. These days, uh, people denigrate doctrines and... uh Uh, This clamor for uh, love, preach love, preach Jesus, and um, when we get to heaven, we sort out the doctrines. That can only come from the pit of hell. Doctrines are important because by doctrines, we understand the God we are to worship. We understand his character. We understand his attributes. How would you know God without knowing him through his doctrines? And that's why The Bible tells us to pay heed, you know, give heed, pay attention to the doctrines, contend for the faith that was delivered to us. So all these things are in one parcel and we cannot separate them. We cannot afford to do that. So if we are to worship God, we are to worship him in truth and in spirit, you know, we may say that okay that we we do not need all the laws or the doctrines before we can worship God, and mind you, we must be careful about this sentimentalism we find in so many Christian communions today where there is a separation between between truth and worship. It shouldn't be it's a puzzle. Sometimes when you visit some congregations, uh, there, there is this time for praise and worship, a praise and worship. And then maybe the praise leader would say, let's begin to be in the mood of worship, in the mood of praise. That's an aberration. And then you see people, um, as it were, lifted in the spirits and being slain by the spirits. And you see some, some gestures and other funny things that people do. I don't judge anybody. I'm not saying that they are not being um, led or touched by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to say. But some people you see uh, performing all these things, as it were, would begin to feel uncomfortable when the preacher begins to break the bread of life. There is a disconnect between that time of worship and the time the word of God is preached. It shouldn't be because worship is a composite parcel and it remains. Whether you're praying, singing, uh, reading the Bible, listening to the sermon, it is an art of worship and it must be done in spirit and in truth. And that's exactly what God is calling us to do today as Christians. He, He wants to draw us close to himself, So I, I ask again, as we begin to summarize our discourse today, uh, would you want God to draw you close to himself? Would you want God to draw you close to himself? As Christians, we need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We need God to really have total control of us. He's either God of all or God of none. And you
2: There's nothing else can take you place To feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find a way Bring me back to you
1: Absolutely, we are to love God because he loves us and um, if we desire any other thing any other person more than we desire God then there is a gap there's a gap and uh, this lesson is a call for us to fill that gap and that gap can only be filled by God Himself. You know, someone said that there's a god shift hole in us, and only God, God and God alone can feel that hole. Nothing else can feel that hole, no matter how hard you try. And that brings us to another aspect of this lesson, which is about the beauty of holiness. I mean, that's a part of the, of the a main test for today. We are not just to worship God, we are to excuse him. Because we cannot worship God in sin and unholiness. You see, God loves sinners. This is a very known fact in the scriptures that God loves sinners. When Jesus came to die, he didn't come to die because we're all saints. By the way, those he came to die for killed him. So God loves sinners. And our sin does not really change God's idea of us or how He loves us. You know, He would love you less if you, if you're a sinner. He loves you, and He He is willing, and He has shown that on the cross that He's willing to do everything and anything for for man to be saved. So God loves us, and uh, He He is near us. But he doesn't want to share that space with any other person. And that's the importance of what we are talking about in this lesson that he wants us to eschew sin. The devil is very smart. I'm not praising him, but he's smart. You know, he's smart. He knows that as long as we live a life of sin, we cannot maintain that absolute connection with God. And then worship is. Sacrifice because how do you worship God when you're not worshiping God sincerely? God wants us to be honest and sincere in our worship, it's a thing of the heart, it's not about dressing well Sabbath morning, you know, tie and suits, and um well, well shaved, and you're nice looking, and you're carrying the Bible and you begin to preach and you espouse the scripture so beautifully that. Everybody is amazed. It's not about knowing the arguments. It's not about knowing the expression. It's not about eloquence or rhetorics and all those. Those are quite important, I would say. But it is not about that. It's about holiness. And we can all agree that the the church today, when I say the church, the Christian church, is losing it when it comes to teaching holiness uh, we we talk less of it because people become uncomfortable when when they are told how God wants us to live life. But we can't worship God completely, so in education, it is not just about teaching the students all the arguments, all the doctrines, all the arguments, all the laws, all the arguments, and all the positions. <laughs> it's not about that. It's not about getting the best degrees, going to renowned schools and going to prestigious colleges and having uh, qualifications and all those. Fine and good, we need all those. We need all those. It's not about getting the award for the best students and all those. It's not about doing your doctoral work or your postdoctoral work in a completely new field, you know, you're the first in that field. It's not about that. All those ideas that you have were given to you by God. It's about worshiping the God who has given you that idea. I'd I'd say that maybe at the end of the day, even some of the greatest men when it comes to knowledge and wisdom will be lost eternally. So, if wisdom, if knowledge, if your intel in intellect can save you, then the death of Jesus would have been in vain. So I'm saying that we need to be careful, we need to watch it, because the things God has endowed us with might turn out to be the obstacle, the hindrance to our salvation. If we allow it to be so. God has actually blessed us with Understanding with intellect to facilitate, to enhance our knowledge of Him. But the tables have been turned by Satan and we need to watch it. So we need to come to God in holiness. We're not saying that you need to wait until you are perfect, until you are good. You know, the church is not a place for sense, it is a place where sense are made. That's my own definition, by the way. You can find it anywhere in the book. So, you don't need to be perfect and holy before you come to God. It is by coming to God that He perfects your character, that He makes you holy. He sanctifies you. You know, sanctification means to make you holy. If there was ever a word like holify, <laughs> to make you holy, to make you holy. So, salvation is not just about justification. It's not about just paying the 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 price for your sin or the penalty is about giving you power to live above sin. Who said who said that the person saved by Jesus cannot live above sin? That's why he died for us to overcome sin. That's why he died. So if we if we still argue today that we cannot live above sin, then we are still arguing that Jesus did not save us by his death and by his ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. So what does he do in heaven? He is there so we can appropriate what he has done on the cross. So justification, sanctification are all important. And it is only those who are justified and sanctified that will be glorified when Jesus comes again. That's a chain. Justification. That's Jesus saving you from the penalty of sin. He has done that. You know, when you give your life to Jesus, he does that in your life. He he writes off your sin. That's justification. And then sanctification is Jesus saving you from the power of sin. He gives you the power to live a holy life. And that's a daily thing he's doing. And as long as he's in the heavenly sanctuary, that ministry continues so we can live holy lives. You know, I I would always say that justification is, is like someone giving you a new cloth when your old cloth is messed up. But then sanctification is what you do, what the person who gave you the cloth helps you do to keep that cloth clean. And that's what Jesus does in us. When we come close to him, when we worship him, when we sing, when we pray, when we do all these spiritual exercises, we are not saving ourselves, but we are only accepting what he has done for us. No lazy person will go to heaven. I mean, no spiritually lazy person will go to heaven. Because that's what the Bible suggests. That we need to accept what he has done. So that's sanctification. And then glorification is when Jesus saves us from the presence of sin. So, he who saved us from the power of sin saves us from no, let me go back now. He who saved us from the penalty of sin saves us from the power of sin daily, and he will save us from the presence of sin. So, that's What worship is all about, dear friend. But as we wrap it off here, we have to think about how we really worship and how we don't worship idolatry. Some would argue that, oh, we, we don't, we don't. But people still worship idols. At least when you bow to an image, you're worshiping idols. And I, I would say that it's very um real in the Christian world today. There are those who, who still worship images and idols and they bow to them. So that's a literal idolatry. But for most of us who claim not to uh do um image worship, you know, praying to dead saints and uh praying with the rosary and all those, that's fine. For those of us who don't subscribe to that because it is clearly said in the Bible that we should not do that, how about the things we pay allegiance to? How about the things we give our time? How about the things that take the foremost place in our lives? You know, Jesus would say in Mark chapter 7, beginning from verse 1, he would say that these people, Honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, God would rather want that we we are clear on who we want to worship. If you want to worship God, we worship him. If you want to uh, give your allegiance to Satan, you do that. You know, God hates, hates lukewarmness. So in this test, Christ is saying that these people, these Christians, these Adventists, these people who come to church every day, these people who, who, who have degrees in theology, these people who, who pastor churches, who have offices in the church, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And he's saying that that's vanity, because he said there that in vain they worship me teaching us doctrines, the commandments of men. Now you have to read that first by yourself to understand what Jesus was trying to pass across. In a nutshell, whatever takes your time, whatever takes your affection, it could be your job, it could be your family, it could be your education, your career, it could be anything, it could be sports, it could be music, it could be entertainment in this age and time it could be uh, the phone, it could be the i mean gadget, it could be the internet, it could be social media you know let 's be real, it could be any of these things it could be it could be even even those you adore, you know it could be uh, uh, your, your superstars, it could be anything your icons, American idol, and the rest of them it could be anything that takes the time. That you need to spend in worship. In worship. If anything else but God takes all this time from you, then we can say that you are worshiping an idol. So, who do we worship? We worship God and God alone. And that's the lesson for this week. My prayer is that God will help us. Not just to have this intellectual approach to things. Not just to to come with our head. We should also come with our heart. We should come with our heart. Because our heart is the real thing. When our heart is in the right hand. Our head will do the right things. So... It's my prayer that God will really help us to understand these deep things and um, to know that we are responsible. You know, we are responsible. We are also accountable to worship God, to worship the one who has all powers in his hands, to worship the one who is the king of kings, To worship the one who created everything. To worship the one who is the only wise God. The one who was here before the world began. (laughs) He's an eternal God, an everlasting God. The one who is above all the kingdoms of earth, past and present. The one who sits upon the throne of heaven. Even in your lack and poverty, He is altogether wealthy and rich. Above everything we can think or imagine, there is a God. And He sent Jesus to die. And He died just to prove a point. He died to prove the point that He loves you. He loves you. Loves you, and he can go all out to save you, and that he has done. You are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved when he comes again. So, above all powers, above all kings, above all nature, above all created things, uh, there is a God to be worshipped. Your education in my education, we should learn. To worship God, let's pray. Dear Father, please have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. May we not be lost with all the knowledge that we have of you. Help us to give you our hearts first, even as we give you our head. Bless someone, the Sabbath, and as someone decides to begin worshiping you, common man, your throne in our hearts. Thank you, Father. A Amen. Happy Solomon.